Section 45, Volume 5, of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 45. When it was the five hundred and thirty-third night, she said it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Bulukia, standing at the gate of his palace, turned to take leave of Al-Kaiser, he found no trace of him, and entered the palace. When his mother saw him, she cried with a loud cry, and swooned away for excess of joy, and they sprinkled water upon her face. After a while she came to herself, and embraced her son, and wept with sore weeping whilst Bulukia wept and laughed by turns. Then all his friends and kindred came and gave him joy of his safe return, and the news was noised abroad in the land, and there came to him presents from all parts. Moreover, they beat the drums and blew the flutes and rejoiced mightily. Then Bulukia related to them his adventures, ending with recounting how Al-Kaiser had set him down at his palace door, whereat they marvelled exceedingly and wept, till all were aweary of weeping. Hasib wondered at the queen's tale, and shed many tears over it. Then he again besought her to let him return to his family. But she said, I fear me, O Hasib, that when thou gettest back to thy country thou wilt fail of thy promise, and prove traitor to thine oath, and enter the hammam. But he swore to her another solemn oath that he would never again enter the baths, as long as he lived. Whereupon she called a serpent, and bade her carry him up to the surface of the earth. So the serpent took him, and led him from place to place, till she brought him out on the platform edge of an abandoned cistern, and there left him. Upon this he walked to the city, and coming to his house by the last of the day, at the yellowing of the sun, knocked at the door. His mother opened it, and seeing her son, screamed out and threw herself upon him, and wept for excess of joy. His wife heard her mother-in-law weeping, so she came out to her, and seeing her husband, saluted him, and kissed his hands, and each rejoiced in other with exceeding joy of all three. Then they entered the house, and sat down to converse, and presently Hasib asked his mother of the woodcutters who had left him to perish in the cistern. Quoth she, They came and told me that a wolf had eaten thee in the wadi. As for them, they are become merchants, and own houses, and shops, and the world is grown wide for them. But every day they bring me meat and drink, and thus have they done till the present time. Quoth Hasib, To-morrow do thou go to them, and say, My son Hasib Karim al-Din hath returned from his travels, so come ye to meet him, and salute him. Accordingly, when morning dawned, she repaired to the woodcutters' houses, and delivered to them her son's message which when they heard they changed colour, and saying, We hear and obey, gave her each a suit of silk, embroidered with gold, adding, Present this to thy good son, and tell him that we will be with him to-morrow. She assented, and returning to Hasib gave him their presence and message. Meanwhile the woodcutters called together a number of merchants, and acquainting them with all that had passed between themselves and Hasib, took counsel with them what they should do. Quoth the merchants, It behoveth each one of you to give him half his monies and mamelukes. And they all agreed to do this. So on the next day each of them took half his wealth, and going into Asib, saluted him and kissed his hands. 
Then they laid before him what they had brought, saying, This is of thy bounties, and we are in thy hands. He accepted their peace-offering, and said, What is past is past. That which befell us was decreed of Allah, and destiny doeth away with dexterity. Quoth they, Come, let us walk about, and take our solace in the city, and visit the Hammam. Quoth he, Not so. I have taken an oath never again to enter the baths, so long as I live. Rejoined they, At least come to our homes that we may entertain thee. He agreed to this, and went to their houses, and each of them entertained him for a night and a day, nor did they cease to do thus for a whole sennight, being seven in number. And now Hasib was master of monies and houses and shops, and the merchants of the city foregathered with him, and he told them all that had befallen him. He became one of the chiefs of the guild, and abode on this wise a while, till it happened one day, as he was walking about the streets, that he passed the door of a hammam, whose keeper was one of his companions. When the bathman, who was standing without, caught his eye, he ran up to him and saluted him and embraced him, saying, Favour me by entering the bath, and there wash and be rubbed, that I may show thee hospitality. Hasib refused alleging that he had taken a solemn oath never again to enter the hammam. But the bathman was insistent with him, saying, Be my three wives triply divorced, can thou enter not and be washed? When Hasib heard him thus conjure him, he was confounded, and replied, O my brother, hast thou a mind to ruin my house and make my children orphans and lay a load of sin upon my neck? But his friend threw himself at his feet and kissed them, saying, my happiness dependeth upon thy entering, and be the sin on the neck of me. Then all the servants of the bath set upon Hasib, and dragging him in, pulled off his clothes. But hardly had he sat down against the wall and begun to pour water on his head, when a score of men accosted him, saying, Rise, O man, and come with us to the Sultan, for thou art his debtor. Then they dispatched one of them as messenger to the Sultan's minister, who straightway took horse and rode, attended by threescore Mamelukes, to the baths, where he alighted, and going into Hasib, saluted him, and said, Welcome to thee. Then he gave the bathman an hundred dinars, and mounting Hasib on a horse he had brought with him, returned with him and all his men to the Sultan's palace. Here he bade them aid Hasib to dismount, and after seating him comfortably set food before him. And when they had eaten and drunken and washed their hands, the wazir clad him in two dresses of honour each worth five thousand dinars, and said to him, Know that Allah hath been merciful to us in sending thee, for the Sultan is nigh upon death by leprosy, and the books tell us that his life is in thy hands. Then, accompanied by a host of grandees, he took him wandering withal, and carried him through the seven doorways of the palace, till they came to the king's chamber. Now the name of this king was Karazdan, king of Persia, and the seven countries, and under his sway were an hundred sovereign princes, sitting on chairs of red gold, and ten thousand valiant captains, under each one's hand an hundred deputies, and as many headsmen armed with sword and axe. They found the king lying on his bed with his face swathed in a napkin, and groaning for excess of pain. When Asib saw this ordinance, his wit was dazed for awe of the king, so he kissed the ground before him, and prayed a blessing on him. Then the grand wazir, whose name was Shamhur, rose and welcoming Hasib, seated him on a high chair at the king's right hand. 
and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the wazir Shamir rose to Hasib, and seated him on a chair at the right hand of King Karazdan, after which he called for food, and the tables were laid. And when they had eaten and drunken and washed their hands, Shamur stood up, while all present also stood to do him honour, and approaching Hasib said to him, We are all thy servants, and will give thee whatsoever thou askest, even were it one half of the kingdom, so thou wilt but cure the king. Saying this, he led him by the hand to the royal couch, and Hasib, uncovering the king's face, saw that he was at last fatal stage of the disease. So he wondered at their hoping for a cure. But the wazir kissed his hand, and repeated his offers, and ended with saying, All we want of thee is to heal our king. So he said to the wazir, True that I am the son of Allah's prophet Daniel, but I know nothing of his art, for they put me thirty days in the school of medicine, and I learnt nothing of the craft. I would well I knew somewhat thereof, and might heal the king. Hearing this, the grand wazir said, do not multiply words upon us, for though we should gather together to us physicians from the east and from the west, none could cure the king save thou. Answered Hasib, How can I make him whole, seeing I know neither his case nor its cure? Quoth the minister, His healing is in thy hands. And quoth Hasib, If I knew the remedy of his sickness, I would heal him. Thereupon the wazir rejoined, Thou keenest a cure right well. The remedy of his sickness is the queen of the serpents, and thou knowest her abiding-place, and hast been with her." When Hasib heard this, he knew that all this came of his entering the baths, and repented whenas repentance availed him naught. Then said he, What is the queen of the serpents? I know her not, nor ever in all my life heard I of this name. Retorted the wazir, Deny not the knowledge of her, for I have proof that thou knowest her and hast passed two years with her. Repeated Hasib, Verily, I never saw her, nor even heard of her, till this moment. Upon which Shamur opened a book, and after making sundry calculations raised his head and spake as follows. The queen of the serpents shall foregather with a man who shall abide with her two years. Then shall he return from her, and come forth to the surface of the earth. And when he entereth the hammam bath, his belly will become black. Then said he, Look at thy belly. So Hasib looked at his own belly, and behold, it was black. But he persisted in his denial, and said, My belly was black from the day my mother bare me. Said the wazir, I had stationed three Mamelukes at the door of every hammam, bidding them note all who entered, and let me know when they found one whose belly was black. So when thou enterest, they looked at thy belly, and finding it black, sent and told me, after we had well-nigh lost hope of coming upon thee. All we want of thee is to show us the place whence thou camest out, and after go thy ways, for we have those with us who will take the queen of the serpents and fetch her to us. And all the other wazirs and emirs and grandees flocked about Hasib, who sorely repented of his misdeed, and they conjured him, until they were weary to show them the abode of the queen. But he ceased not saying, I never saw nor heard of the matter. Then the grand wazir called the hangman, and bade him strip Hasib and beat him a sore beating. And so they did, till he saw death face to face, for excess of pain, 
and the wazir said, We have proof that thou knowest the abiding place of the queen of the serpents. Why wilt thou persist in denial? Show us the place whence thou camest out, and go from us. We have with us one who will take her, and no harm shall befall thee. Then he raised him, and bade give him a dress of honour of cloth and red gold, embroidered with jewels, and spoke him fair, until Hasib yielded, and said, I will show you the place. At this the wazir rejoiced with great joy, and took horse with all his many, and rode, guided by Hasib, and never drew rein till they came to the mountain containing the cavern wherein he had found the cistern full of honey. There all dismounted and followed him as he entered, sighing and weeping, and showed them the well whence he had issued. Whereupon the wazir sat down thereby, and sprinkling perfumes upon a chafing-dish, began to mutter charms and conjurations, for he was a crafty magician and diviner and skilled in spiritual arts. He repeated three several formulas of conjuration, and between each threw fresh incense upon the fire, crying out and saying, Come forth, O queen of the serpents! When, behold, the water of the well sank down, and a great door opened in the side, from which came a mighty noise of crying like unto thunder, so terrible that they thought the well had caved in, and all present fell down fainting. Nay, some even died for fright. Presently there issued from the well a serpent as big as an elephant, casting out sparks, like red-hot coals, from its eyes and mouth, and bearing on its back a charger of red gold, set with pearls and jewels, in the midst whereof lay a serpent from whose body issued such splendour that the place was illumined thereby. And her face was fair and young, and she spoke with most eloquent tongue. The serpent queen turned right and left till her eyes fell upon Hasib, to whom she said, Where is the covenant thou madest with me, and the oath thou swearest to me that thou wouldst never again enter the Hammam bath? But there is no fighting against fate, nor hath any ever fled from that which is written on his forehead. Allah hath appointed the end of my life for thy hand to hend, and it is his will that slain I be, and King Karazdan be healed of his malady. So saying, she wept with sore weeping, and Hasib wept to see her weep. As for the abominable Wazir Shamur, he put out his hand to lay hold of her. But she said to him, Hold thy hand, O accursed, or I will blow upon thee, and reduce thee to a heap of black ashes. Then she cried out to Hasib, saying, Draw near me, and take me in thine hand, and lay me in the dish that is with you. Then set it on thy head, for my death was foreordained, from eternity without beginning, to be at thy hand, and thou hast no power to avert it. So he took her, and laid her in the dish, and put it on his head, when the well returned to its former state. Then they set out on their return to the city, Hasib carrying the dish on his head, and when they were half-way, behold, the queen of the serpents said to him privily, Hearken, O Hasib, to my friendly counsel, for all thou hast broken faith with me, and been false to thine oath, and hast done this misdeed, but it was foreordained from all eternity. He replied, To hear is to obey, and she continued, It is this, when thou comest to the wazir's house, he will bid thee behead me, and cut me in three, but do thou refuse, saying, I know not how to slaughter and leave him to do it with his own hand, and to work his wicked will. When he hath cut my throat, and divided my body into three pieces, there will come a messenger, to bid him to the king, so he will lay my flesh in a cauldron of brass, and set it upon a brazier, before going to the presence. And he will say to thee, 
Keep up the fire under the cauldron till the scum rise. Then skim it off and pour it into a phial to cool. Wait till it cool, and then drink it, so shall naught of malady or pain be left in all thy body. When the second scum riseth, skim it off, and pour it into a phial against my return from the king, that I may drink it for an ailment I have in my loins. Then will he give thee the vials to go to the king, and when he is gone, do thou light the fire, and wait till the first scum rise, and set it in a phial. Keep it by thee, but beware of drinking it, or no good will befall thee. When the second scum riseth, skim it off, and put it in a second vial, and drink it down as soon as it cools. When the wazir returneth, and asketh thee for the second vial, give him the first, and note what shall befall him. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the serpent queen charged Hasib not to drink of the first scum, and carefully to keep the second, saying, When the wazir returneth from the king, and asketh for the second vial, give him the first, and note what shall befall him. Then drink the contents of the second vial, and thy heart will become the home of wisdom. After this take up the flesh, and laying it in a brazen platter, carry it to the king, and give him to eat thereof. When he hath eaten it, and hath settled in his stomach, veil his face with a kerchief, and wait by him till noontide, when he will have digested the meat. Then give him somewhat of wine to drink, and by the decree of Allah Almighty he will be healed of his unhealth, and be made whole as he was. And give thou ear to the charge wherewith I charge thee, and keep it in thy memory with carefullest keeping. They ceased not faring till they came to the wazir's house, and he said to Hasib, Come in with me. So he went in, and the troops dispersed, and fared each his own way. Whereupon Hasib set down the platter, and the wazir bade him slay the queen of the serpents. But he said, I know not how to slaughter, and never in my born days killed I aught. And thou wilt have her throat cut, do it with thine own hand. So the minister Shamur took the queen from the platter, and slew her, seeing which Hasib wept bitter tears, and the wazir laughed at him, saying, O weak of wits, how canst thou weep for the killing of a worm? Then he cut her in three, and laying the pieces in a brass cauldron, set it on the fire, and sat down to await the cooking of the flesh. And whilst he was sitting, lo, there came a slave from the king, who said to him, The king calls for thee without stay or delay. And he answered, saying, I hear, and I obey. So he gave Hasib two vials, and bade him drink the first scum, and keep the second against his return, even as the queen of the serpents had foretold, after which he went away with repeated charges and injunctions. And Hasib tended the fire under the cauldron, till the first scum rose, when he skimmed it off, and setting it in one of the vials, kept it by him. He then fed the fire, till the second scum rose. Then he skimmed it off, and putting it in the other vial, kept it for himself. And when the meat was done, he took the cauldron off the fire, and sat awaiting the wazir, who asked him on return, What hast thou done? And answered Hasib, I did thy bidding to the last word. Quoth the wazir, What hast thou done with the first vial? I drank its contents, but now, repeated Hasib. And Shamur asked, Thy body feeleth it no change? Whereto Hasib answered, Verily, I feel as I were on fire from front to foot. The villain wazir made no reply hiding the truth, but said, Hand me the second vial, that I may drink what is therein. So haply I may be made whole of this ailing in my loins. 
So Hasib brought him the first vial, and he drank it off, thinking it contained the second scum. But hardly had he done drinking, when the vial fell from his hand, and he swelled up and dropped down dead. And thus was exemplified in him the saying, Whoso for his brother diggeth a pit, he shall be the first to fall into it. Now when Hasib saw this, he wondered and feared to drink of the second vial. But he remembered the serpent queen's injunction, and bethought him that the wazir would not have reserved the second scum for himself, had there been aught of hurt therein. So he said, I put my trust in Allah, and drank off the contents of the vial. No sooner had he done so, than the Most Highest made the waters of wisdom so well up in his heart, and opened to him the fountains of knowledge, and joy and gladness overcame him. Then he took the serpent's flesh from the cauldron, and laying it on a platter of brass, went forth from the wazir's house. On his way to the palace he raised his eyes, and saw the seven heavens, and all that therein is, even to the lote-tree beyond which there is no passing, and the manner of the revolution of the spheres. Moreover, Allah discovered to him the ordinance of the planets, and the scheme of their movements, and the fixed stars. And he saw the contour of the land and sea, whereby he became informed with geometry, astrology, and astronomy, and mathematics, and all that hangeth thereby. And he understood the causes and consequences of eclipses of the sun and moon. Then he looked at the earth, and saw all minerals and vegetables that are therein, and thereon. And he learned their properties, and their virtues, so that he became in an instant versed in medicine and chemistry and natural magic, and the art of making gold and silver. And he ceased not carrying the flesh till he came to the palace, when he went in to King Karazdan, and kissing the ground before him, said, May thy head survive thy wazir Shamur. The king was mightily angered at the news of the grand wazir's death, and wept for him, whilst his emirs and his grandees and officers also wept. Then said Karazdan, He was with me but now in all health, and went away to fetch me the flesh of the queen of the serpents if it should be cooked, what befell him that he is now dead, and what accident hath betided him. So Asib told him the whole truth, how the minister had drunk the contents of the vial, and had forthwith swelled out and died. The king mourned for his loss with mourning sore, and said to Hasib, What shall I do without Shamur? And Hasib answered, Grieve not, O king of the age, for I will cure thee within three days, and leave no wit of disease in thy body. At this the king's breast waxed broad, and he said, I wish to be made whole of this affliction, though after a long term of years. So Asib set the platter before the king, and made him eat a slice of the flesh of the serpent queen. Then he covered him up, and spreading a kerchief over his face, bade him sleep, and sat down by his side. He slept from noonday till sundown, while his stomach digested the piece of flesh, and presently he awoke. Hasib gave him somewhat of wine to drink, and bade him sleep again. So he slept till the morning, and when dawn appeared, Hasib repeated the treatment, making him eat another piece of the flesh. And thus he did with him three days following, till he had eaten the whole, when his skin began to shrink and scale off, and he perspired, so that the sweat ran down from his head to his heels. Thereby he became whole, and there abode in him no trace of the disease, which when Hasib saw, he said, There is no help for it, but thou go to the hammam. So he carried him to the bath, and washed his body, and when he came forth it was like a wand of silver, and he was restored to health, nay, sounder than he was before he fell ill. Thereupon he donned his richest robes, and seating himself on his throne, he deigned to make Hasib sit beside him. 
Then he bade the tables be spread, and they ate and washed their hands, after which he called for the service of wine, and both drank their fill. Upon all this his wazirs and emirs and captains and the grandees of his realm, and the notables of the lieges came in to him and gave him the joy of his recovery, and they beat the drums and adorned the city in token of rejoicing. Then said the king to the assembly, O wazirs and emirs and grandees, this is Hasim Karim al-Din, who hath healed me of my sickness, and know all here present that I make him my chief wazir in the stead of the wazir Shamur. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-sixth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that quoth King Karazdan to his ministers and high lords, He who healed me of my sickness is none other than Hasib Karim al-Din, here present. Therefore I make him my chief wazir, in the stead of the wazir Shamur. And whoso loveth him loveth me, and whoso honoureth him honoureth me, and he who obeyeth him obeyeth me. Hearkening and obedience, answered they, and all rising flocked to kiss Hasib's hand, and salute him, and give him joy of the wazirate. Then the king bestowed on him a splendid dress of gold brocade, set with pearls and gems, the least of which was worth five thousand gold pieces. Moreover, he presented to him three hundred male white slaves, and the like number of concubines, in loveliness like moons, and three hundred Abyssinian slave-girls, beside five hundred mules laden with treasure, and sheep, and oxen, and buffaloes, and bulls, and other cattle beyond count. And he commanded all his wazirs, and emirs, and grandees, and notables, and mamelukes, and his subjects in general, to bring him gifts. Presently Hasib took horse, and rode, followed by the wazirs, and emirs, and lords, and all the troops, to the house which the king had set apart for him where he sat down on a chair, and the wazirs and emirs came up to him and kissed hands and gave him joy of his ministership, vying with one another in suit and service. When his mother and his household knew what had happened, they rejoiced with exceeding joy, and congratulated him on his good fortune, and his quondam comrades in the woodcutters also came by and gave him joy. Then he mounted again, and riding to the house of the late wazir Shamur, laid hands on all that was therein, and transported it to his own abode. On this wise did Hasib, from a duncical know-nothing, unskilled to read writing, become, by the decree of Allah Almighty, an adept in every science and versed in all manner of knowledge, so that the fame of his learning was blazed abroad over the land, and he became renowned as an ocean of lore, and skill in medicine, and astronomy, and geometry, and astrology, and alchemy, and natural magic, and the Kabbalah, and spiritualism, and all other arts and sciences. One day he said to his mother, My father Daniel was exceeding wise and learned. Tell me what he left by way of books or what not. So his mother brought him the chest, and taking out the five leaves which had been saved when the library was lost, gave them to him, saying, These five scrolls are all thy father left thee. So he read them, and said to her, O my mother, these leaves are part of a book. Where is the rest? Quoth she, Thy father made a voyage, taking with him all his library, and when he was shipwrecked every book was lost save only these five leaves. And when he was returned to me by Almighty Allah, he found me with child, and said to me, Haply thou wilt bear a boy, so take these scrolls and keep them by thee, 
and when as my son shall grow up and ask what his father left him, give these leaves to him, and say, Thy father left these as thine only heritance. And lo, here they are. And Hasib, now the most learned of his age, abode in all pleasure and solace and delight of life, till there came to him the destroyer of delights and the severer of societies. And yet, O king, is not this tale of Bulukia and Janshah more wondrous than the adventures of End of Section forty five and End of A Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume five, translated by Richard Burton. Recording by Bill Borst.